Spring is in full swing, and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool, or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor hello i'm kim and i'm ben welcome to today's podcast of if you really knew me a place for honest conversations about the enneagram to inspire better connections with others ourselves and god we are so glad you joined us today is part two of our talk about grief And if you haven't listened to part one, which is episode 13 with Chelsea Steinsdorfer, who is a licensed clinical professional counselor, we encourage you to do so. And if you or someone you love is going through the journey of grief, I really feel that there is some helpful information in part one and two of our discussion on grief. Absolutely. We're going to continue to dive deeper into this topic today. And we we have, again, like we said, our special guest, Chelsea Steinsdorfer, who is with us, and she's going to continue to share her knowledge and expertise on the topic of grief. Hello, Chelsea. Hi. <laughs> We're glad you came back. We appreciate that. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Ben, can you lead us in this? What we want to dive into with this grief? Absolutely. I want to start by talking about what each type wants during grief. I feel there's some valuable information in this, and I took some of this information from Brittany at Enneagram Explained, Mm -hmm. and I feel it really gives some clarity as to the motivation for each type, maybe for yourself or for someone you love. So we'll just go through the different Enneagram types and and share what they want during grief. Mm -hmm. So type ones want to know the right way to proceed with guidelines. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like... (laughs) what's the best way to do this? What's the most efficient way to do this? And they're not the, they don't corner the market on efficiency, but, (laughs) but it's always about let's do this the right way. Yeah. Well, maybe in that is so that you can move through it more quickly, possibly if it's done right, instead of having to redo it. Mm -hmm. Would you say that? (laughs) Well, I would say that's a very three thing to want it quick. (laughs) Also, that's true. (laughs) Type ones are not afraid to take the time if they know that's the best way. And type threes will do that, but if they don't feel this step is necessary, they might just like, okay, we'll just touch on that real quick and go to the next, you know? Mm -hmm. It's more about quicker. Um, And so if you have a wing three, you'll feel this um, as well. Gotcha. Type twos want support and approval of others while figuring out how to move forward. And what's interesting is we want support from others, but we also want to support others grieving in order to help strengthen our bonds with those people. And it's, it's such a two thing to say, you know, yeah. as part of my healing, I need to help you too. Yeah. And because type twos, sometimes called the helper, it's ingrained in our nature to know what others need. Yeah. And so If you are, I say sometimes type twos need isolation, not isolation, solitude, Mm -hmm. solitude, because you can't not see what people need. Yeah. 
And so in order to focus on yourself, sometimes you just take the ability to see what other people need out of the equation. And you can just, okay, now I can get down to the nitty gritty of what I need. Yeah, as a type to myself, I feel that. Mm-hmm. I, I Like I mentioned in episode one, after my dad died, I went right back to work mm-hmm. because I wanted to have purpose in my mm-hmm. pain. Mm-hmm. And, and um, plus, I think it was a good distraction too. But it was like eight months after he died where I was like, if I don't take a break, if I don't step away, the solitude that you're talking about... I won't be okay. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually when I took six weeks off. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was beneficial. That's good. That's a good example, too, because you can know that you're not going to be okay. And so preemptively, you can say, I, I'm, I'm going to need to take some time yeah. and just be and not have to, in, while being, I don't have to be something for someone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... When you're a type two, doing it for yourself doesn't always feel like the purpose that you want when you're processing grief. If I just if I don't get to have purpose with someone else through my grief, then what? Mm-hmm. But in actuality, for yourself is purpose enough. You know, you're pouring out of a cup that could be empty mm, and yeah. the purpose may be filling that cup up again. Yep. So that's a very good example. I'd also just like to say, I said it took me eight months to get to that point where Mm -hmm. I knew I needed solitude. I knew I needed to step away from Mm -hmm. my job a little bit. And um, so just if if I could give anybody advice, it would be don't put a timeline or Mm -hmm. expectation on yourself. Like if, if you feel that eight months, two years, three years after, something trap like mm-hmm. you still deserve to take that time mm-hmm. it doesn't yeah. have to be it doesn't have to follow a, a specific timeline it doesn't have to yeah. be right after it happens sometimes it takes yeah sometimes it just takes time i mm-hmm. don't know amen the time it takes is the time it takes yeah exactly everybody's yeah. different yeah <laughs> speaking of type threes mm-hmm. want to know and set goals quickly so they want to express their emotions, but not be overwhelmed by them. Yes. Preach. Preach. So, <laughs> you know, being, it's about goals. And so we've talked about how in grief, there's not set goals to like, okay, I've, I've done this stage or this season. Now I'm on to the next. It's, mm-hmm. you don't have that. You ever have a task that just keeps going on and on and yes. you just feel like I, one day I just want to check something off of my to-do list. I love checking things yeah. off my list. <laughs> it's like the first thing it's on your joy. list. First thing it on is. your list is to check off make the list. a list. <laughs> check. You know. You know, I have to say too, as as being a three, there was a season, and this doesn't have to do with someone's passing, but it was a loss for me. I was in a singing trio and it was a season where it was finished, um, based on circumstances and someone was getting married or moving and just different things were happening but it was so much a part of who I was and I was mourning Mm -hmm. and I remember just like it felt like a death because it was it was it had come to an end it had brought me so much joy and Mm -hmm. I was thinking well what is my purpose I thought that was my purpose and that was my thing but I did find that I after that I, I let myself mourn I did 
But then I was like, okay, what's next? What's next? Because I'm that's the forward thinking. Mm-hmm. And I did want to move quickly through it because it didn't feel great. Mm-hmm. And I was joyful for the friends that were moving on and doing different things, but it was still a loss. And I had to mm-hmm. I had to try to process it. And, and I didn't want to be overwhelmed. So I found things to maybe take my mind yeah. off of that. Mm-hmm. You know, when you said distraction, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of things in my life that I can use as a distraction sometimes mm-hmm. to avoid pain. And, yeah. and different people use different things. And, and there's the addictive type personalities that will use things to numb out the pain. Mm-hmm. But there's the positive distraction and there's the negative. So planning ahead again for those season, those hard seasons. Yeah. It's okay to have something distract you, but let it be something that serves you well. Yes. Yes. I love that. Type fours want to discover what is missing, whether within themselves or in the grieving process, they want to fully express and feel their emotions. So for example, this is the denial season. So my denial isn't intense and passionate, so I must not be going through it Hmm. correctly. I I have to feel the intensity in order to feel like it's it's being processed well. Hmm. That isn't, some seasons are more intense than others. You know, think of the waves. You've got little bitty waves and then you've got the big mama jama that's going to, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) that everybody's rolling around when it's done, you know. (laughs) Type fives want clarity before making decisions. They want to avoid excess emotions from both both themselves and from others. Mm. (laughs) So imagine not being able to move before the way is clear. Would you ever move? <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it's putting a lot of emphasis on I need to have the clear, logical. Sometimes you have to work through to find that. Yeah. And so that's a that's something that type fives can know. You, you want that clarity, non-emotional clarity. Oh, yeah. You rarely see. Well, I'll say this. Type fives don't expect to be overwhelmed with emotion <laughs> sometime, mm-hmm. but seeping out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we said before, seeping out. If, if a type five has researched something and gotten to the, if you disagree with them, <laughs> oh. you will see some seepage, Yeah, you know, so. And I do have to say something about fives because I, I live with a couple of them. I, they, they don't like the emotion side of it. Um, one five in my life is like, I don't want to cry about this. It's almost like they get angry because how dare this made me cry? Well, you know, it's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. You do need to, you do need to express that. But I don't know if it's a strong thing. If I cry, I I don't look strong or somebody might think I'm weak if they see me express my emotion. But I, I see that all the time. But when they finally do, when something hits them the right way and they and they cry. It's actually a beautiful thing. It's not like you want them to be sad. Yeah. It's like you actually cried. You showed emotion. I'm so proud of you. That <laughs> tear is real. You know. <laughs> but crying a lot of times feels pointless. Like that yeah. like what's the what's what's crying going to solve? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's hard cuz yeah. grieving I think it it is necessary yeah. to cry. It does serve a purpose, but it's yeah. not like a purpose we can physically see. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's I think hard. it's cleansing. Yes. When you get done a good cry, it's almost like you're like, 
It's like you can breathe. Like I yeah. needed to, it's almost like it lifted it off your chest. No, it didn't go away. The situation's mm-hmm. still sitting over there, but you, you needed to do that. So, yeah. so that was what you gave was an example of thinking about emotion. Oh, I yeah. shouldn't cry. That's right. Well, <laughs> I've sized up what crying is and I shouldn't do that. You know, it's There's not logical. Baseball. That's yeah. what it makes me think about. <laughs> So type six is want certainty in plans and in loyalty. Uh, They also want reassurance about the future. So you think about even how the world is in these times. Mm -hmm. It is not certain. (laughs) And the, the place where we can find certainty is in our hope in Jesus, in our relationship with Jesus. And so when it says type six wants certainty in plans and in loyalty, mm-hmm. you have the type six, once they give their loyalty, they're fiercely loyal. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they can expect that in return. And not everybody understands loyalty to the fullness like a type six. Mm-hmm. So that reassurance doesn't always come. So if you know that going into it you can and type sixes are in the thinking triad so you can process that a little differently knowing how you move Mm -hmm. when things of grief happen Mm -hmm. type sevens want to explore a range of options is that surprising (laughs) by the way (laughs) no (laughs) they want freedom to do what they want to do and prefer quick decisions so do not micromanage a five or a seven (laughs) because just the act of micromanaging will distract from the process of what they need to go through wow so if they just feel freedom to especially type sevens feel freedom to do what they want to do that will actually help them process better without like oh no you're not going to micromanage me we're we're going to Put grief aside and focus on the fact you're you're wanting to do this to me. Kind well, of they thing. don't want you to tell them how to grieve. It's right. like this is my way, and I'm going to do it. And yeah, yeah. How, yeah. How dare you do that? <laughs> so type eights want some sort of control, either of themselves or the situation. They want to get things rolling and to move forward. Mm-hmm. So that um, vulnerability that they don't like to show mm-hmm. um, that will work against them because being in grief is a vulnerable place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, it doesn't mean you have to tell the world and let them dictate, but they will have a group of safe people that they can actually be vulnerable with, Mm -hmm. and it's okay. Yeah. Type nines want to take all points into consideration before doing anything. They also want to avoid conflict and help reduce others' discomfort. So think about this for a minute. Grief, I don't want any conflict, and I need to make sure everybody else is comfortable first. And if I know what everybody wants, then I can move forward. Yeah. So you think about that. There's some go-to tendencies in that, in saying that, that would be difficult. So if you know if you know that it's not to avoid conflict first of all, some conflict can be good. Mm-hmm. Or or can 
bring you to a better place Mm -hmm. and to avoid or reduce discomfort. I mean, grief is not comfortable. Mm -mm. It is. uh, That's just, yeah, it's not fun. Not for any of these numbers. It's not, but it can, (laughs) it can be a place for healing and growth and moving forward. Yeah. A lot of times when someone's walking through a loss or, or any type of grief, you just don't know what to, to do or say. And I think that's a, a great resource list, you know, to give us ideas about the people in your lives, if you know what number they are, what you might be able to do to help them. Um, what are some other behaviors to know that we should know to help others in grief, Ben? So here are some flare-up behaviors that you might see when each type gets activated during grief. When I say activated, that's like going to the, it can be a trigger word, it can be going to them going to stress in their number. So um, we talked in previous episodes about triads. Triads are groups of three that share common assets and liabilities. And there are three triads for what is called the instinctual centers or the centers of intelligence. So if we say this is the heart center, mm-hmm. twos, threes, and fours, or, and that's also the feeling. So sometimes I think thinking, feeling, doing. Um, so feeling is twos, threes, and fours. Thinking is five, six, and seven. Doing is eight, nine, and one. So if you think of that, there's some shared uh, things that we can look at as we're talking about grief today. So let's look at the anger or the doing triad. They engage in life and circumstances using their gut instincts. They all have an inner struggle with anger. They also share a common desire for justice. So a type eight anger might flare up, especially if a sense of vulnerability is involved. We talked about that a little bit. Um, Negative type eight traits is like being controlling, being intimidating, or being rebellious while grieving. And we talked a little bit about that in in part one, you know, how anger can be a mask Mm -hmm. for the emotions that we're feeling. So type eights move to type five in stress that you might see a type eight being cynical or detached or even secretive and withdrawn. That's not their go-to way of responding. Mm -hmm. A type eight will step to you (laughs) in, in a situation. Have you seen this Chelsea, even though you may not have any eights in your life, have you noticed that when you're counseling people that are dealing with grief, like have you seen that anger flare up and see, you know, some of these situations we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Anger is uh, very common in grieving. Um, I think it's especially hard for Christians to admit or talk about anger too. It's especially um, if it's at God, mm-hmm. it's oh, wow. really, it's hard. It's hard to admit who you're mad at sometimes. And, yeah. um, but I think it's normal. And I also think we don't do a good enough job, like teaching kids about emotions growing up. Like anger is the bad emotion. Like right. it's, it's bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And really it's not, it's not a bad emotion to, feel it's what we do with that anger that can be bad a lot of times in counseling i i describe anger as like the umbrella Mm -hmm. um it it, sometimes you do just feel angry Mm -hmm. but a lot of times anger hides or masks other feelings yeah um like we said earlier that that aren't as 
easy to display like sadness or, yeah. or um, vulnerability. Yeah. Yep. Type nine anger in that same doing triad might flare up, especially if there's a sense of not being heard or if there's conflict. And we talked about what each type wants during grief and the type nines don't want conflict and they want their presence to matter. So they may easily dip into the negative type nine traits, such as being indecisive, passive aggressive and forgetful traits when moving to a type six in stress for a nine look like being suspicious of others or self-doubting mm -hmm. or anxious overcommitted mm -hmm. so remember also that the type nines are in the doing triad and type nines are doing dominant but also doing repressed so when it says overcommitted you don't always think about that for a type nine but because they're doing repressed they're always doing but not all doing is productive mm -hmm. and so that's where that comes in you might see overcommitment there type one anger might flare up especially if there's any sense of injustice involved so you might see type ones being critical or judgmental um, perfectionistic while grieving so this should have been this way, mm. but it's not. Yeah. This is how someone should be grieving because it's best for you to do X, Y, Z. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> especially that type ones want to know the right way to move forward with grief. So um, they also move to type four in stress, which you might see a type one being withdrawn or moody or emotional or envious and irritable so type ones usually want to keep those emotions understated or deal with them on their own later yeah um but when you start seeing a type one withdrawal or be overly emotional that's a that's a stress point sure. you can tell that they're experiencing stress hmm. so ben what about the next triad so the next triad is the heart triad or the feeling triad and it is something also to note that these types struggle with shame. Mm. So uh, these are twos, threes, and fours, and they engage in life and circumstances through emotion. They have an inner struggle with shame, and there's a common desire for a specific identity or significance that they want others to see, um, going into that purpose, you know, for, for what we do. Type two, shame might flare up, especially if there's a sense of having needs involved. Negative type two traits, such as being prideful or manipulative or martyrish while grieving. Um, and then type twos move to type eight. So that is moving to an aggressive number, um, being demanding or blunt, controlling or argumentative. Um, that sometimes will take people by surprise. Mm -hmm. When a type two gets to that stress factor, it's like, whoa, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody Aren't else you has... the sweet people yeah. person? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were sweet, but I see this was on the inside. I'm still sweet, but right now I'm stressed. Yeah. So I need you to... Back off. <laughs> so type threes are next, and shame might flare up, especially if there's a sense of failure involved. Um, you know, type threes want to 
appear or be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, negative type three traits such as being vain, inauthentic, invalidation needy while grieving. And then when type threes move to stress, which is type nine for them, being disengaged or complacent and retreating. Mm-hmm. So I think about the type threes that I know. And if they become disengaged or complacent, that is, that is not how they normally deal with things. So I can always tell when my honey is a little stressed mm-hmm. because she's a type three. And so it's harder to make a decision for her. Mm-hmm. Like type threes are very good at just... Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what needs to be done. It it's very usually very apparent this is what needs to be done and let's do it. But during that stressful time, you'll see more disengagement and more complacency. So type 4's shame might flare up especially if there's a sense of rejection involved. And type 4's may be moody, temperamental and withdrawn while grieving. And so a type four moves to a type two in stress. And this may be, you might see a type four be more people pleasing or trying to quote, buy others love and testing the strength of relationships. And I want to just talk about that for a minute. So type fours have the push pull thing that Mm -hmm. we sometimes talk about. So they'll come towards you. And then later they'll push you away. And that's like the testing, like, are you for real? They want that authenticity mm-hmm. to know that it's not just a, a facade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you definitely have stepped on my toes in that mm-hmm. segment because I'm a three. So, yeah, ouch. How about you, Chelsea? <laughs> uh, same. <laughs> same. Um, being a two myself, um, it's a humbling but pretty accurate description of me. I am definitely emotion driven and I struggle with feeling somewhat shameful that part of having my needs met is being validated by others in my grief. Um, And then I struggle with pride thinking that because I am in tune with my emotions Mm -hmm. that I'm coping or processing better Mm -hmm. than other people who can't admit how they're feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is just where I feel like I have had to ask Jesus um, <laughs> to give me grace for others in the process mm-hmm. and give me grace for myself when I fall short because mm-hmm. I don't want to be prideful and shame isn't from Jesus either. No, so it's it's not. I resemble that remark. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we all fall short. Let's just let's just yeah. put that yeah. out there. Um, what about the next triad? How do they are they activated by grief? So the third triad we're going to talk about is the head triad or the thinking triad. And that's five, sixes, and sevens. And sometimes um, you'll notice they can be prone more to anxiety or fear. And their different types will reflect that in different ways. They engage in life and circumstances through mental analysis. They have a common struggle with anxiety or fear, and they have a common desire for security. Mm. So type five fear might flare up or anxiety might flare up, especially if there's a sense of incompetency or the unknown. So um, type fives like to be seen as confident and and knowledge is king. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes that's hard when 
there is an unknown. So you may see them being withdrawn or cynical or stingy while grieving. And stingy doesn't always refer to money, but it can be my time, my outward expression of love, you know, those kinds of things. Um, also, traits when a type five moves to type seven in stress, they can become indulgent and restless and dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. And you normally think of a type five, you don't always think indulgent. No. You know, things make sense of why they're buying something. It doesn't mean they can't have nice things, but there's usually a reason. Mm -hmm. It's a logical um, process. Mm -hmm. So if they become indulgent, that it's like, oh, oh my boy now stressing. Because, yeah. So type six, anxiety and fear might flare up, especially if there's any sense of disloyalty or the unknown involved again. So it might be self-doubting. It might be anxiety or hypervigilance while grieving. Mm -hmm. And when they move to three in stress, being image conscious and afraid of failure and staying busy. So that type six moves to an aggressive number mm -hmm. in stress again. So that's you can take on the unhealthy aspects of what a type three can be if you're not aware mm -hmm. so type sevens and you don't really i just want to say you don't always think type seven and anxiety and fear no because they try to reframe everything into a positive and they're the happy fun people yeah. <laughs> but inside you know they experience anxiety and fear as well especially if there's any sense of pain or deprivation invo involved um, it could be seen through being unfocused or indulgent and even escapist, needy while grieving. Mm. Um, I'm going to get out of here now. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But we need to talk about this. Well, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. It's not going to be now. Yeah. And so that's one thing. And, and type sevens move to type one in stress. So they're their behavior may be more rigid or critical or pessimistic, perfectionistic. Mm. And again, that's the negative traits that a type one can be if they're not careful. Not so place, yeah. it's important to know in grief that that anxiety and fear can flare up. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, Chelsea? Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like fear and anxiety are common with every, could be common with every number, yeah. mm -hmm. especially after you experience a loss or a tragedy. Mm -hmm. I think that's why the Bible talks so much about taking our thoughts captive, mm -hmm. um, because anxiety can be like a snowball, falling down a mountain, gathering more snow, um, and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, gaining speed as it falls. I know for me personally, because of my dad's um, unexpected sudden death, I fought fear about everything. Mm -hmm. I realized, like we said earlier, um, how little control I actually have yeah. in my own life. Um, this is another reason why I think counseling or confiding in others can be helpful in taking our thoughts captive. Yeah. Um, if we never challenge our fear, it becomes true. It becomes mm. our reality. I always tell people, um, we do not have to believe everything we tell ourselves. Mm. Wow, that's good. Um, something I eventually did in my own grief journey was uh, start writing down scripture on 
note cards and I'd stick them everywhere in my house. Mm -hmm. I read them as I was washing dishes or playing the piano or Mm -hmm. doing laundry, showering, my makeup, crying in my room. Um, I started challenging my thoughts and trying to take them captive um, by immersing myself in God's word. And there's nothing like God's word that challenges Amen. our anxiety and our fear. Amen. Yeah. Like yeah. that. The scripture tells us to put on the full armor of God and mm-hmm. his word is our sword and our shield. So mm-hmm. by having his word in front of you, like that yeah. was so smart to yeah. put that everywhere yeah. because we are not strong enough in our mm-hmm. own strength. Um, but God is, God is made yeah. strong in our weakness. So, yeah, yeah. I want to say what you did there with the note cards. So, ones twos and sixes are thinking repressed so that means thinking constructively is already a learned skill Mm -hmm. and so when you need to take your thinking captive Mm -hmm. having it in front of you to just wherever you look there's something Mm -hmm. that it's like okay not only do i see what's there but i know why i put that there Mm -hmm. to to keep myself on track yeah just speaking of scripture and note cards I um, specifically kept one right beside my bed because I was struggling with sleeping and I found this scripture um, where it talks about Jesus being awake while we sleep Mm. and it was just it was such a comfort and I read that over and over and over while I was falling asleep I could take comfort in knowing that while I was asleep someone was watching over me Someone was awake. Someone was guarding me. Um, so it's just, again, it's the importance of just taking our thoughts captive. And mm-hmm. I just think scripture scripture is key It is. In that. It's the living, breathing word of God. So it's powerful. Um, this is a really good spot. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll share grief and loss tips for each type. Do your kids love listening to great stories? It can be tough finding a kid's podcast which upholds your Christian values. Story Jumpers features exciting, entertaining stories by authors who write from a Christian worldview. Each episode is created with kids in mind. Audiobook clips are followed by a brief author interview your kids will find fascinating. This is a podcast for kids. Subscribe to Story Jumpers wherever you listen to podcasts. Story Jumpers is a member of the Bridge Podcast Network. Welcome back. Now that we've seen what triad each type is in and how they can be activated by grief, let's learn some tips to be helpful to them. Ben, can you share those tips with us? I would love to. And I am going to start with the anger triad or the doing triad, which is eights, nines, and ones. Eights. Um, Here's some tips to help you through grief and loss. Get some sleep and take care of your body. Mm. Exercise to release pent-up emotions and energy and process with feeling-dominant types, which are twos, threes, or fours, to help kick your repressed feeling into gear. And then realize that being vulnerable while grieving will not break you. Mm, That's good. Mm. The sleep part is especially good because I don't know how many times you and I have had conversations. You're like, sleep and eat something. That's right. And things will all seem clearer and better. And see if you feel the same way. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Uh, So type nines. Um, Some tips would be to remember to love yourself equally to others. Your presence does matter. Pay attention to where you feel grief in your body. 
process with doing dominant types, which is ones, eights, or nines, to help kick your repressed doing into gear. And I just want to say, okay, it's a nine, but you need to talk to a one, eight, or nine. I thought that was interesting. So (laughs) when you're going through grief, so a nine that is not in stress and not going through grief has important things to say to another nine who is stressed and going through grief. So that's, that's helpful to realize. And then know that numbing out will not help your pro you process grief. It'll just delay it. Mm, So type ones, some tips is to use music, Mm -hmm. take walks, process with thinking dominant types, five, sixes, or sevens. Even though type sixes are also thinking repressed, that isn't as prevalent when they're helping others. There's not one right way to grieve, and you can't fix grief. You just have to go through it. Yes, absolutely. So the next triad is the heart or the feeling triad. And that's some tips for twos, threes, and fours. So let's start with twos. Pay attention to your needs, not just the needs of others. Mm -hmm. Have alone time so you can focus on your feelings because otherwise you're soaking up the feelings of everyone else. Mm. Process with thinking dominant types, five, six, or seven, to help kick your repressed thinking into gear. And exercise to help release any pent-up energy. See, there you go. That's the exercise shoes and clothes laying out, right? That's right. (laughs) So we do need those shoes after all. Yes. (laughs) So type threes, allow others to take charge during the grief time. Um, practice being and not doing Mm -hmm. process with feeling dominant types twos threes or fours and again threes are feeling dominant and feelings repressed but a healthy type three that's not in stress at the moment will be able to help you process Um, realize that grief doesn't come with a checklist Mm, wish it did though you know (laughs) it would yeah be so much easier it would be nice (laughs) So type fours, some tips for you is make a list of things you're grateful for, both things around you and within yourself. Ride the wave of your emotions, but let it take you somewhere healthy. Mm. Process with doing dominant types, ones, eights, or nines, to kick your repressed doing into gear. And realize that grief does not have to last forever. Amen. It doesn't. Mm And I mean, it's hard to see. We can't see in the future, obviously. And it's sometimes it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But there is a season for everything. We've talked about seasons mm-hmm. of grief. There is a season for everything. Mm-hmm. And you won't forget, but it'll get a little bit easier each time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for our thinking types in the head triad, five, sixes, and sevens. So type fives tips for you would be to notice where you feel the emotions in your body. And engage with your emotion instead of detaching from them. Process with doing dominant types. And that is ones, eights, and nines to help kick your repressed doing into gear. Realize that you can't understand all of grief. Type sixes, notice what you can do and learn right now as opposed to what to do in the future. 
list when your instincts and thoughts were correct in the past to help build trust in yourself. Process with thinking dominant types, which are five, sixes, and sevens to help kick your repressed thinking into gear. Remember that life can move forward even with uncertainties. And type sevens, tips for you, follow a routine so that life can continue in a healthy way. Take some time to do nothing in order to allow emotions in and process with feeling dominant types, twos, threes, and fours to help kick your repressed feeling into gear. Realize that fully grieving involves allowing the negative and painful emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This has been some deep stuff. I mean, Chelsea, I would love for you to share again for those that may have missed this, but if somebody needs a counselor, what should they do? Where should they go? Um, A great resource if you're looking for a counselor is Mm -hmm. psychologytoday.com. You can put in your insurance information and what specifically you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, Another resource is betterhelp.com. And that, again, is online counseling that connects you with any therapist in the world, both... um, both good resources yeah and I think the more we talk about it the more we talk about mental health or therapy or grieving like um word of mouth goes so far too so if you have a therapist that you love talk about it yeah recommend Mm -hmm. them to your friends and again don't hesitate if you're not ready for therapy to reach out to pastors or friends that um, maybe specifically have gone through something similar yeah and remember it's okay to not be okay. Yes. Like you can't put yourself in a box and go, well, because I'm this type or whatever, I shouldn't feel this or I shouldn't feel that. We're all going to feel grief and yes. we're all going to experience grief mm-hmm. um, in some way or another, whether it's a loss of a person or a loss of a of a dream maybe that you even had. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different losses that we experience. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you to Chelsea Steinsdorfer who brought yes. her expertise and her sweet little personality in here today. We appreciate <laughs> that. There's just been a lot of wisdom and great nuggets that um, between part one and part two of these podcasts. And I hope that you found some nuggets to help you in your season of grief. We have a link in the show notes. um, If you want to review the grief tips for each Enneagram type by Enneagram explained and share it with others and um, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And as always, if you're not sure um, where you are, where to start, uh, you can learn more about the Enneagram Refer to episode two to find out more. And if you have any questions for us, let us know, and we might even share your question in an upcoming episode. See you next time. God bless.